You're listening to Conspiracy, Fears, and Mystery. Due to the graphic nature of this content, listener discretion is advised. Conspiracies, fears, and mysteries. And again, I am your host, Ralphie. For another Conspiracy, Fears, and Mysteries episode today, we'll be talking about the strange disappearance of Granger Taylor. Now, Granger Taylor, this is a uh, this is a disappearance episode, disappearance story, but also conspiracy because this is a conspiracy whenever a crime oh this isn't really a crime but whenever a a um a situation or whatever the case may be is unsolved we don't have answers we're still look it becomes a conspiracy because we tend to throw different scenarios of what we believe happen according to our belief system and or the evidence that we have in this particular case, we're going, we're doing actually both. In this particular case, we're doing both. Exactly like I said, we have our belief systems and evidence that we're throwing at it, but the case is still not solved. So I'm going to read some of this and talk about it because I do look at a lot of when it comes to aliens and abductions and disappearances. I've been into that for a long, long time. On the night of November 29, 1980, gale force winds tore through the central portion of Vancouver Island, knocking out the electricity and sending locals scurrying for shelter. In the midst of this violent storm, a shy and uncannily bright young man posted a short note on his father's bedroom door and walked out of his parents' home, leaving all of his worldly possessions behind, including $10,000. He climbed into his 1972 pale blue Datsun pickup, drove past the flying saucer replica he had built in his backyard, and was never heard from again. The series of events, though disconcerting, are not in and of themselves particularly remarkable, What makes this case worthy of note over 30 years after the fact is that content of the letter that the man in question, Granger Taylor, left for his parents to read. It read, Dear Mother and Father, I have gone away to walk aboard an alien ship as recurring dreams assured a 42-month interstellar voyage to explore the vast universe and return. I am leaving behind all my possessions to you as well I will no longer require the use of any. Please use the instructions in my will as a guide to help. Love, Granger. On the opposite side of the hand scroll letter was a contour map of Waterloo Mountain, which was located some 20 miles west of the Taylor's property. What relation the map or the mountain may or may not have had with Taylor's disappearance is just one of the many enigmas associated with the bizarre case. 
But if we are to make an attempt to understand what circumstances led to Taylor, perhaps literally falling off the face of the earth, then we first need to go back to when this reclusive man was ha was hailed as. So, I first heard this case on um, Bedtime Stories. I had not heard of it before. I'm sure I probably I probably have on Unsolved Mysteries, on one of the many alien or conspiracies or those type of documentaries that I listened to, but I had not remembered it. So, Ranger Taylor was born on October 7th, 1948. He hailed from Duncan, Vancouver Island, a logging and fishing town, which is uh, nestled in the Canadian province of British Columbia. And he had uh, his friends and neighbors hailed him as an astonishing aptitude for constructing and repairing all manners of mechanical devices he was he was basically he was a genius when it came to building when it came to putting together engines engineering he was an engineering master one of taylor's old friends bob nielsen even went so far as to say i guess you could call him an eccentric genius taylor who lived on uh, his mother and stepfather's wooded seminoles lake property until the day he vanished was an eighth grade dropout dropped out but despite this lack of education he was considered by all who knew him to be a self-taught mechanical wizard after leaving school he managed to secure his first job with a neighbor as a mechanics assistant but following just one year of apprenticeship taylor stuck out on his own and would remain self-employed thereafter working as a welder a mechanic and repairing heavy machinery taylor's list of accomplishments is also extraordinary um, extraordinarily impressive. At the tender age of 14 years, he built a single-cylinder automobile, which was promptly put on exhibit at the Duncan Forest Museum. And at 17, he managed to rebuild a bulldozer that more seasoned mechanics had long since given up for dead. These already remarkable achievements wouldn't in the long run be just the tip of the proverbial iceberg. In 1969, while still in his early 20s, Taylor painstakingly plowed a trail through over half a mile of dense forest in order to get to the ramshackle remains of a locomotive that had been abandoned during the Great Depression and left to rot. What was left of the train was in a sorry state. Its trucks and drive shafts had been scavenged back in World War II and a tangle of trees had grown through the rusted frame. Wow. Taylor ext um, extricated the engine from the almost impenetrable undergrowth and managed to drag it back to his parents' residence, a site which had gained the affectionate title of Sleepy Hollow Museum, due to in no, due in no small part to the fact that the overgrown yard was riddled with old tractors and bulldozers, train parts, dilapidated cars, and steam pots from donkey engines, most of which Taylor had discovered and explored in Cowichan Valley Scrub. In less than two years, with nothing more than his intellect, moxie tools, freight car, trucks, and power transmission components at his disposal, Taylor managed to restore the locomotive to its former glory. In 1973, the province of British Columbia purchased the steam engine and sent it out to tour with the museum train before putting it on display at the BC Forest Discovery Center. That is amazing. Amazing. That is amazing. That is amazing. Um, so this guy was a genius and I'm going to get to something about that after this, when it comes to these 
geniuses that we've had throughout time, the Einsteins and the and the uh, uh, Leonardo da Vinci's, etc. Throughout time, why I think this would be plausible. This, you know, if you're a extraterrestrial believer, alien believer, whatever you want to call it, UFO, whatever, ufologist, whatever you want to call it, if you even entertain the 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 notion of there being any extraterrestrial life out there, then you can see why this would be a plausible thing. Just, you know, you got to take things with a grain of salt, but why this would be a plausible thing. Anyway, let's keep reading. It wasn't long before the introspective and unassuming Taylor transformed from an awkward boy into a six foot three inch, that's a big dude, 240 pound bear of a man who his friends took a calling gentle Ben. Although his body changed, Taylor's mind remained focused on understanding the nature of motion, technology, and his next passion would be for machines that were capable of flight. Taylor got his pilot's license and bought a vintage Kitty Hawk warplane, which he restored for two years. Uh, which he restored. For two years, the airplane was displayed outside a store on the island highway until it was sold to a restorer of vintage aircraft from Manitoba 1981 for $20,000. Taylor's parents, Jim and Grace, put the money in Granger's bank account with the other 10000 he had left untouched before his inexplicable departure. So back then, $20,000 was $20,000. It was twenty grand. you know. This is back when you can get a car, a brand new vehicle, you know, uh, probably for like, you know, 12000 like brand new nice vehicle, you know, twelve. 12 to 15,000, something like that, which is 20, that's a lot. If somebody gave you a brand new vehicle, a new nice vehicle now is like 30, 40,000, right? So somebody gave you 60,000, that's <laughs> that's a lot of money. While planes, trains, and automobiles clearly intrigued Taylor when he was young, it wasn't long before he was able to understand their functions and become a master of their assembly. And it was then that he evidently became bored. A lot of the times with geniuses, with these people that are very introverted, uh, you see this with kids with autism that are, they may have an, they may have autism. People think autism, my son has autism, but they people think that people with autism are, they confuse it sometimes with Down syndrome, and that's not the case. That's not the case, sorry. Um, they focus really hard on one thing. I'm not saying this man had autism, but in, in the spectrum, you know, in his spectrum, he was a genius at one thing. And these people, a lot of times, you'll see that they'll be a little awkward. They may not be the cool guys. They don't like the regular stuff that regular people like because their brains um, has the uh, the need or the necessity for constant stimulation, meaning he has to be challenged. So um, when he's mastered a craft, meaning, okay, I can take apart this this engine and put it back together like nothing and he's doing it for a while he's done numerous different engines and this and that then he's not stimulated anymore and that's when you know he gets bored and then he has to find something else so now he goes to flight he's looking at planes and things, how things fly he's looking at the engineering of making something fly and he's very focused his mind is powerful just focused on that there's nothing else to him but figuring out how this flies making this fly etc Always seeking something new to test his vast intellectual and mechanical prowess, the now respected craftsman turned his attention to a new and for many incomprehensible challenge. 
the seemingly unsolvable question of how UFOs could perform the aerial feats that so many eyewitnesses have claimed to have seen. And, even more importantly, what it was that powered their uh, ostensibly, ostensibly sorry, interstellar journeys. To this end, Taylor built himself a quasi-futuristic sanctuary beneath the lofty fir trees not far from the house he shared with his parents on the marshes of, of Seminole's Lake, a place which he would, be, would, would become known as Granger's Flying Saucer. And during the later portion of the 1970s, according to his stepfather, Taylor, using his colossal industrial acumen, his industrial acumen, he spent over half a year constructing and welding a life-size replica of a flying saucer out of spare parts he found. So he built this guy built he built a flying saucer replica. Obviously, he wasn't flying; it was just a replica. But still, the fact that he did that is still a very, very impressive. If somebody did that today, I'd still be impressed, you know. And in 1985 book, in advance of the landing, full concepts of outer space, Douglas Curran described the fantastic domicile he built uh, that that Taylor built. Um, out of two satellite receiving dishes and outfitted with a television, a couch, and a wood-burning stove. He became obsessed with finding out how flying saucers were powered, spending hours sitting in the ship thinking and often sleeping there. In an article published in March 18, 1985, edition of The Colonist, titled, Is Vanished Sun Adrift in Space? Journalist Derek Sedinius described the then de uh, decrepit state of the once-cherished haven. The silver spaceship sits on a metal pillars under the trees of Jim and Grace's Taylor's farm near Duncan. Its aluminum plate ramp door is ajar and broken. The Taylor suspect, uh, I'm sorry, the, the Taylor suspect from children playing. But inside, the large old sofa, potbelly stove, and plywood sleeping ledge are much the way their sun ranger left. The furnished saucer swiftly became Taylor's home away from home, and once he got settled into his new refuge, he embarked on what would be his first meticulous stages of research and development as he had as he had no access to the real thing taylor began his research into the ufo phenomenon by collecting all the books that he could get from his um his hands on which was not which was an easy enough task in the 1970s he then entrenched himself inside his welded steel shelter and began the arduous task of trying to understand the Machina the machinations of UFOs based solely on eyewitness accounts and the pseudoscientific hypothesis that the authors of these books put forward regarding the unusual craft. Now they say the hypothesis and the pseudo the and the the pseudoscientific hypothesis because nobody really knows uh, well from the the layman the regular people. I'm not talking about government or anything, but the regular people don't know exactly how flying saucers fly we just have eyewitness accounts or it looks like this is what it looks like and what he's doing is just basically putting together just from what they see trying to maybe you know from from what he knows is fact from what he knows as fact because he's done the, the experiments and from what the eyewitnesses have seen he's putting together a a, a uh kind of a plan or kind of a whatever it is, you know saying okay well from what i know you know, this, if you do this, this and that, this happens. From what I've read, the eyewitnesses have seen this, this and that. So maybe if I do put this and that and that together, this is how they do it. That's what, he, you know, he's basically putting all that together. Genius in itself, you know, a little bit obsessive, but genius in itself. 
In fact, years after their son's disappearance, the Taylors still had in, uh, still held into a box overflowing with Taylor's books on the subject of UFOs and unknown energy sources, such as Frank Edwards' flying saucers, here and now, from outer space, black holes, and what we really know about flying saucers. It wasn't long before Taylor's new hobby transformed into a full-fledged obsession. When he went out socially, the topic of how spaceships were powered was never far from General Ben's mind, and his friends conceded that he never hesitated to bring the subject up. Like happens with many highly gifted people, Taylor, Taylor's fascination with this issue may have eventually waned as other subjects of interest cropped up, but it seems as if fate or perhaps something slightly more tangible, though no less ethereal, had something else in mind. Taylor confided to his friend Nielsen that during one of his periods of self-imposed isolation aboard his saucer, he received what can only be referred to as a message from space. While lying on the makeshift cot in the metallic refuge, Taylor claimed to have come into telepathic contact with an extraterrestrial entity who hailed from beyond the Milky Way. This, for anyone who has studied ufological, particularly contactee lore, is considered to be a common, though exceedingly difficult to prove, occurrence between human beings and alien explorers. Nielsen would later describe to reporters what his old friend had disclosed to him a mere month before he vanished. He said it happened when he was in bed. He lay there and got mental communications with somebody from another galaxy. He couldn't see them. I said they could just... Um, they can't just be mental, but he said it was like they were talking to him and to his mind. He was asking questions about the means for powering their crafts. The only thing they would tell him was that, that it was magnetic. I think he figured, I think he figured, he was figuring stuff out, okay? He was figuring stuff out. A few days following this uh, first admittedly bizarre revelation, and later Taylor informed Nielsen that the disembodied voice had once again visited him in the saucer and this time the alien began being invited him to go the, the alien being invited him to go on a trip through the solar system taylor excitedly explained that he would not be informed until the end of the month as to where he would be picked up but when the location on the rendezvous was revealed to taylor he evidently chose or was instructed not to divulge this to his parents or friends Despite the fact that his friends had no idea where his alleged date with Destiny would take place, Taylor made no pretense at concealing his acceleration about the coming journey and what all um, what all he was going to learn about the alien's technology during his 42-month interstellar voyage. 42 months. According to Nielsen, Taylor was thrilled by the prospect of his approaching interplanetary odyssey. Taylor's friends, most of who suspected that his overreaction to a weird nightmare was just another manifestation of Taylor's eccentricity humored him, according to Nielsen. So everyone thought the trip was just a dream, but nobody entirely discounted Granger's stories. He was such an unusual sort of guy. There's a quote from his friends. Nevertheless, Sedanius reported that just a week before Taylor's enigmatic exodus, he took a bunch of his buddies out for a ruckus night on the town for what was intended to be a sort of going away party. So he wasn't necessarily just completely a recluse. He, you know, he, had, he obviously he had friends, people that loved him. He was just a regular dude. He had a good upbringing. Um, you know, he had a, uh, a family that loved him. There was no abuse, nothing crazy going on. Um, I, believe, I, I, I think his... 
He was raised by his uh, stepfather, though. That I, I kind of left out. But he was raised by his stepfather. His, his dad passed away when he was really young. But somehow, when he was really, really young. Um, I don't remember the exact date, but I think it was in... I don't... I, and it doesn't say here on this uh, this this paper that I got, but uh, it was a really young age. I know that. And, you know, some people say that affected him. Um, obviously, I could see how. But, uh, you know, and maybe that's why he kind of became so like a recluse so introverted you know i'm i'm an introvert in a big way and not too introverted but i am an introvert on friday november 28th the evening before what would be considered the to be to many to be taylor's last night on earth the young man entered his stepfather yeah his stepfather jim's bedroom and had a long discussion with him he expressed his affection and gratitude for all the man had done for him over the years Jim had no idea that this would be the last conversation he would ever have with his stepson. Taylor's mother, Grace, was not on hand to speak with him as she was in Hawaii taking the first vacation she'd had in years. She would never regret, she would re, forever regret not being home that turbulent November evening. Without the knowledge of his parents or friends, Taylor prepared two wills with detailed instructions as, as to how his parents would distribute his possessions. Interestingly, interestingly the word deceased was scratched out on the wills only to be replaced with the word departed so he took the word in a will um you you see the you a will a living will or a will you see the word deceased a lot because that's what it's for you pass away and it's saying okay when i pass away i want this person to have this this person you know wife husband mother or whatever brother sister or whatever the case may be um so you, the word you know deceased is is uh is a uh, is normal it, it comes standard on a will if you may so but he replaced that word with departed he was really adamant about what he was doing and what he was embarking in and what he was going to go do so at about 6 p.m on that fateful saturday eve that would change the lives of so many in town of duncan taylor entered bob's grill for dinner he made an appearance, raised no eyebrows, as he had been a regular at the diner for a long time. The last person to come forward and admit to seeing Taylor was a woman who was working on the grill kitchen named Linda Barron. Barron would later tell Dory she had seen him enter and dine by himself. He was unable to recall if anyone had tried to engage Taylor in conversation. According to Sedanius, Barron did remember that the solitary genius was wearing, especially considering what he was wearing, especially considering that at... That as bright as everyone knew he was, he was clearly not prepared for the oncoming storm. There was a storm coming. She remembered he wore a brown knitted sweater, zipped up front, a black t-shirt. Um, he was never without a black t-shirt, jeans, and locker boots. He didn't even, he didn't have his winter coat. Um, Taylor discovered a coat a couple of days later inside this dirty doghouse that Granger built for his huge Newfoundland dog lady. Barron then testified that Taylor paid uh his bill and left the restaurant at about 6 30 p.m just as the storm was starting to tear through duncan and the neighboring cities it would be the last that known human eyes would ever fall on the extraordinarily burly 32 year old machinist that same night hurricane force winds were reported in port albany and power lines were down throughout duncan and the surrounding area swathing the entire the entire region in impenetrable 
impenetrable darkness. By dawn the next day, the citizens of Duncan were picking up the debris left behind by the storm, and they were also picking up a rumor that was swiftly spreading through the town that Granger had vanished off the face of the earth. So, uh, the investigation. So, people saw him his last day. He was, I guess, this is him getting ready. Probably had his, uh, let's say, his um, last Earth meal. Okay, I don't, we don't, we don't know what happened to him. So, his last Earth meal. Uh, and then he disappeared. There was a big storm that was coming. Everybody knew the storm was coming. But he looked like he just didn't, like, yeah, I'm not worried about the storm. You know, because I'm not, I'm not even going to be here for it. You know, I'm going to be somewhere else. I'm going to be wherever he's going or wherever he went. Understandably concerned about his boy's situation and more than likely his mental state, Jim Taylor contacted the Royal Canadian Mounted Police in order to help find his son. This is after he disappeared. Probably the day after, a couple hours after, the RCMP responded immediately. But after the, what Corporal Mike Demchuk described as exhaustive checks of hospitals, passports, employment, vehicle records, not a single clue of Taylor's whereabouts could be discovered. According to the Corporal, Granger's name had been put on the National Police Computer System and the Motor Vehicle Branch in Victoria, motor vehicle branch in Victoria has been alerted in case Granger's driver's license, which expires in this the October of that month, I mean of that year, is renewed. After Taylor had been gone for more than four years, Demchuk admitted that what had perplexed him most regarding this mystifying case was the fact that the 1972 Datsun pickup truck that Taylor had ostensibly used to travel to his engagement was still missing, Demchuk stated. One would expect the car at least to be found. You don't just get rid of something that large without someone knowing about it, you know. It's a Datsun. In case you don't know what a Datsun is, a Datsun is Nissan, what Nissan used to be. Nissan used to be Datsun, or um, I think they still are in some countries. There is still Datsun, but that's Nissan. Uh, one would expect. Okay, knowing that it that it may well hold the key to his disappearance, the tailors would throughout the 1980s occasionally take out newspaper ads offering a hundred dollar reward for anyone's finding their son missing vehicle. They never received any response, but the truck's registration expired in '81, convincing the RSMP. RSM, yeah, RCMP, sorry, investigators that it would likely no longer be on the road. According to Time Life, Time Life Books, 1992 Mysteries of the Unknown, Alien Encounters, the remnants of Taylor's truck, described inaccurately as being pink, were found in an un, unnamed mountain sometime in 1986. Being pink, his truck was not pink. Six years later, the truck was found on a mountain near Duncan, apparently blown to bits in what must have been a massive explosion, but Taylor's body was never found. See, already already discrepancies. Mount Sicker may contain the answer to a local UFO mystery. In late November 1980, Granger Taylor, an unconventional genius and UFO fanatic, left his family a note saying he was going to travel on an alien ship for 42 months interstellar voyage, and he and his, and his pickup truck were never seen again. Many years later, local newspapers reported that a log on Mount Sicker spotted a crater in the ground and metal debris embedded in a tree. It is believed that Granger was carrying explosives in his truck at the time of the, of the disappearance. Uh, it seems unclear, at least without confirmation from the RCMP, if the vehicle debris allegedly found on Mount Sicker uh, 
was really from an automobile. <laughs> it's clear and clear that the that the that debris had anything to do with Taylor's disappearance. But even assuming it does, the lack of anybody on the scene just adds to the in, uh, inscrutably inscrutability of this case. So we find uh, they find debris of a blown up truck. In this, in the, in the, you know, in the, in the mountain, side of mountain, uh, with, I don't know, there's a crater with parts of, looks like a vehicle blown up. Uh, some people say it's a truck. They narrowed it down to its Granger, but the truck was pink. His truck was not pink, but I don't know, maybe discoloration from just being sitting out in the elements. It would turn whatever paint kind of paint he had pink. But they say that's not what's in his truck. It's worth noting briefly that the region that Taylor hailed from was no stranger to UFO mystery. In fact, one of the most intriguing and best documented flaps in UFO history occurred in the area just 10 years before. The events began at 1159 New Year's Eve, 1969, just miles from the Taylor home at the Cowichan District Hospital. A nurse by the name of Doreen Kendall was tending to her patients when she and three other nurses saw a Saturn-shaped... Saturn-shaped? What is a Saturn-shaped? I'm confused. Saturn-shaped UFO with two humanoid occupants hovering outside the window. Thus began an astonishing spat of sightings, which I chronicled in my article, Night Shift Nurses and the Flying Saucer Men. It would be hard to believe that a presumably extraterrestrial encounter of this magnitude happening so close to home would not have a lasting effect on the youngster's curiosity regarding UFOs and occupants. I have little doubt that these events planted a seed in Taylor, that was destined to germinate in some form or another at some point in the line. So, where is Granger Taylor? Uh, there is, of course, no way to come to any definitive conclusion regarding the fate of Granger Taylor with the meager evidence at hand. And if someone out there has more information, please come forward with it. Most of the hard data I've been able to dig up surrounding the case comes from newspaper clippings and UFO books from the 1980s and the early 90s, which hardly constitute concrete proof of anything than a good campfire story. Now, uh, yes, I can, I can see this really, really, really intriguing. What intrigues me about this, and there's a little bit more, um, you can find this in where I got this from is mysteriousuniverse.org. You go to mysteriousuniverse.org. This was written by, by Rob Morphy, The Strange Disappearance of Granger Taylor. Uh, what I was going to say, in the beginning I said, I'm going to talk more about these certain people. There was an episode of Ancient Aliens where they talked about Leonardo da Vinci and his inventions and just his genius. So I was not aware that Leonardo da Vinci had disappeared for a period of time, maybe like a two years or something, a year or two. Just disappeared off the face of the earth. Disappeared, right? That's a total of two years, 24 months. This guy, Granger Taylor, says uh, 24 months. There's also been um, cases of other people who were in, you could say, these genius position, positions who disappeared for a while, then came back with their inventions. Now, 
let's go the UFO route. Let's go the UFO route. Let's say they disappeared, right? Um, I could see how this would happen in the UFO route. The UFO route meaning, let's say this is an abduction story. Let's let's say for a fact this is what happened. I can see why these beings would take these people. Well, they see, you know, the, these beings are, God knows how long, how far ahead of us. As far as in, in, in evolution, in technology, in all that, whatever the case may be, all that. They're just ahead of us in everything. Their sweet tea tastes better than ours. Okay? They're ahead of us in everything. So, they have the ability to talk, you know, telepathically out of almost every single account that you've ever heard of when it comes to a UFO. There is some kind of telepathic um, interaction going on where no voice, no actual movement of the mouth is happening. It's just something in the brain, to, you know, going on where they can speak to us just by thinking, right? So let's let's entertain that. So they can do that. So this guy, Ranger Taylor's man, says that they speak to, you know, telepathically. I believe Leonardo da Vinci mentioned something about, you know, just in his head, you know, telepathically, or you know, and other other geniuses too. I would see, I can see how they would come down, and say, let's pick these guys up. Let's take these guys and go ahead and show them some stuff. Then we'll drop them back off and they can share it. They, what if, you know, and this is my theory. What if they are just maybe watching? What if we're their experiment? What if they're watching over us? What if they want to see how we, you know, how we progress, how we evolve? And they, every once in a while, they lend a helping hand, taking some of us that are a little bit more mentally advanced because they don't care about muscles and somebody who's very fat in muscle and can you know jump over you know do a thousand push-ups they don't care about that they care about that muscle in the head the brain which is the power source of everything the brain is everything yeah you have other organs that power but the brain is everything the mind so that's what they care about. They're evolved to the point where their mind is what flies their ships, and according to a lot of people. Their mind is what powers their their being is mind. That's why their heads are big. They've, they've evolved to the point where they need those big skulls because of their brain size. Um when it comes to the greys. You know, the greys and the known aliens that we the the, the the normal depiction of an alien that we see. So they, they kidnap these, oh, I'm saying kidnap, sorry, I'm still in my true crime mode. They, uh, you know, pick up these people, or, you know, and and I'm not talking about the abductions. The abductions are different where they abduct them and do the experiments. They just, you know, that's different. But these particular people, they speak to them. They look, we see that you're doing this. Let's give you a heads up. Let me show you what this is about. They come and they invent, and then all these inventions come out of nowhere. Boom, and they whatever right um i could see that happening i could see it i could see them i could see them doing it as an experiment it's, it's all experiments to them they're constantly discovering 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 when they see somebody that's similar to them that all they want to do is discover 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 naturally why wouldn't you contact them you know like attracts like isn't it so with this guy i think that this is a theory 
you know and it's hard to wrap your head around it because we don't grow up thinking oh ufos are real this is really we grew up with religion and whatever they're, they're teaching so it's hard to get away from uh um to 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 get away from what we're raised um what we're raised to to believe you know what i mean uh it is it is it's oh i forgot how that saying goes it's easier to fool someone or it's easier to it's easier to fool someone than to than to show him that he has been fooled or something crazy like that but it's hard to get away from that so it's hard to wrap our heads around that maybe you know and when it, when it comes to the case of granger uh granger taylor uh this guy was trying to figure out a lot of stuff you know i'm trying to figure out how they fly how they this well he disappeared 42 months you know he said he's going 42 months uh nobody has seen him since we don't know if they brought him back and erased the memory we don't know if they just kept him we don't know if they said you know what you're very smart you know you figured out you may have figured out how we fly because we they may have showed them they were like we we can't drop you back off we don't want them to know this you know humans humans are not in a position to know this power because they're going to use it for bad like they do everything else <laughs> they're going to build more weapons where they kill each other blah 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 you know maybe maybe that's what it is maybe that's what it is maybe that's what it is because we come up you see the mayans let's go back to the mind you see the mind these these civilizations don't get me started on the pyramids these civilizations that build these giant mega structures right um and and you're like how did they, how did they get <laughs> the knowledge to first of all all these civilizations that didn't know each other to build this and stuff well maybe they had help that you know that's something i like i'm really adamant about maybe they had help why is it so hard to believe that maybe they had did, did they just come up out of nowhere all of them and said you know what this is the way the structure is going to go up you know and this style is going to be wide on the bottom smaller on the top like did they just come up with that they just boom out of nowhere you know just came up with that no there's something that leads to something else you know what I mean? Something has to be shown for you to get to that next level. You have to show, or somebody just has to show you. Somebody has to show you for you to get to that next level. You know, that will be animalistic. Will be just kind of Neanderthals. You know what I mean? You're shown things, and then from there, when you're shown, is where you go. Okay, somebody made a stupid ass comment and was like. I, f- I forgot when I spoke about, uh, you know, we were it was on a, I don't remember where it was, like a forum or something. I think it was on YouTube, maybe. I was watching a video where they were talking about the pyramid stuff, and we were, and you know, in the video it was saying, uh, oh wow, how, oh, whatever it was, it was saying like, wow, you know, it's amazing, you know, we find these structures from ancient civilizations, you know, they had to help with it by aliens, blah blah blah. That's a theory, and they were like. Oh, this is a, that's a stupid thing to say because, you know, a hundred years from now when they find one of our buildings buried, you know, the people in the future are going to say, wow, they must have had help from aliens. 
Well, no, you idiot. If you look at history, by this time, you already know that we have the technology to build a, a modern house. So I, th th that wouldn't make sense. That'd be stupid. That'd be dumb to say. Even a thousand years from now, they'll look back because we'll know we'll know from, you know, digging up the reason why we have this theory about the ancients ancient people and civilizations because we we have found tools we have found drawings so we know what they had they didn't have bulldozers so we know okay they didn't have bulldozers and, and things like that. so they were using these regular tools the way they live we know you know so they had to have help to build the structure that looks like it was machined at some and in, in a lot in most places machined so they i believe you know and then as far as the Mayans, it has to do with Granger also. The Mayans, they disappeared. So maybe they were like, okay, this civilization is getting a little bit too advanced. We got to take them. They're, they're, they're the, uh, you could say they are the, uh, sorry, I got to clip a little bit. They are the, uh, like the advanced children, like the, you know the, the 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 what do you call it? AP, AV, whatever. The the advanced, the advanced children. They're picking this stuff up real quick. We gotta we gotta take them out of here. We got we can't we can't keep them here. They're gonna, you know, they gonna get crazy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So they just like nah, we're gonna take these people out. You know the you know. So now, take away the alien theory. Let's take away that. Let's say aliens. Let, let's say we're the only ones in the world. We're the only ones. Let's say nothing else exists beyond us. Right? Let's say reality is exactly what you see in front of you. And that is it. There is nothing that could possibly be outside of that spectrum. It's just what it is in that little box you live in. Right? That's what it is. Okay. So. When these people have these visions. Like you said. We've concluded that they are recluses. We've concluded that people who are at this level of genius so when they're really focused on something they kind of uh separate from reality or from not reality but from you know outside society and that's what i meant to say right so uh you know it's possible that yeah they do have kind of a mental uh a situation where their mind can get ahead of itself. Ahead of itself. You know what I mean? Well, for example, Leonardo. Let's go to Leonardo. Leonardo da Vinci. Um, and Ranger Taylor. They were both guys. They were both guys who were really, really into what they were doing. Re I mean, they were just... That's it. Their life was creating. Was engineering. Was, you know... Um, and they got really into what they were doing. And, they can, and, and, and it could lead to doing things out of the out out of the normal you know the normal would be hey i gotta wake up i gotta go to the store i gotta you know gotta go to work i gotta do this and then i'll go back to my no they wanted 24 7 to be into their discoveries their studies their engineering so i could see how granger for example back to granger can just mentally put himself in a state where he would make these types of decisions or i don't know if you call it a mistake or whatever where he would just disappear he got he got in his head that yo 
my inventions my engineering this thing that i love doing this thing i'm so curious and nothing is satisfied my curiosity that he just disappeared not just poof disappeared but he drove somewhere he disappeared um put himself in a mental state so bad that maybe he lost his uh identity you know what i mean just mentally maybe he did get hurt trying to discover more you know maybe that was his car that they found you don't know i mean yeah there's you know it's a little weird that it's a oh, different color you could say a lot of, but i don't know you never know you know they put them you know we put ourselves in this we 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 believe what we believe and then and, and like i said the one thing that's a fact is that the mind is the most powerful thing in the world the mind is the most powerful thing it could be a weapon it could be something that saves lives it could make lives all that without the mind there is nothing and this is a story about the mind the mind a mind that was genius a mind that back to the aliens i could see if ufos contacted that mind and said this mind is powerful this mind is something we can use or this mind is something we can uh show something to or this mind is something that we cannot keep on this earth because it is too much he's accelerate his mind is developing too much where it would be way too much for them for you know for the humans this guy skipped everything he doesn't even want to because he here's the thing I know a lot of you say, oh, well, what about Elon Musk? And what about this? Well, Elon Musk made a business. So there's that. You know, uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, uh, you know, Steve Jobs, all the other guys. They made a business. So if you're talking about beings looking down on us saying, well, okay, this guy's making a business. I'm not saying all they want is money. But they made a business, you know, so they see, okay, this is part of his invention is business also. He's not just all about the event he wants to make money off of this hands down bottom line because if he didn't he'd be a recluse also this guy didn't care about the money his mind was a hundred percent focused on this where uh the other these other geniuses that we have you call them geniuses that invent stuff their mind is not a hundred percent focused on the uh on the invention their mind is okay this is the invention maybe 60 70 maybe 75 percent the rest is on how can we profit from this bottom line that's what it is if not these companies wouldn't be created you know what i mean granger doesn't have a company granger Tell doesn't have a company he doesn't have the huge company he would get money for his inventions but his money sat there he used his money for more inventions to buy more pieces more more uh tools more of this that's what he uses money for he really didn't even care about the money. He cared about the inventions. And if, if let's say, some extraterrestrial, extraterrestrials who I'm sure are not are smart enough to know, okay, this guy is really about that life. We need to get him. Yeah, they could contact them. Or for you people who don't believe anything, but if you don't, you wouldn't be listening to this. Let's take away the extraterrestrial thing. Again. Or it could be that he just mentally put himself in a mental position where he believed 
that that's what he had to do was disappear or whatever. He believed something was talking to him because they're so they're I mean, they put their brain through exercise. Like if their brain was a physical human, it'd be Schwarzenegger in his prime, probably bigger, the Hulk. And that's what happens with these guys. You know? It's, it's, you've got to take this all with a greatness, like a, with a greatness of salt. Is that the way you say it, man? Gotta take it with a greatness of salt. But anyway, I've got to go get a haircut and smoke me a cigar today in this, this date. <laughs> so don't forget to like and subscribe, guys. Follow me on c.f.mysteries on Instagram. And I will, I'm still putting together the YouTube channel. I already have a CFM channel, but it's, I used to tell creepypastas, I used to narrate, but I took them off. I just kept some of the, like, three of the true crimes. There's, there's only three videos up right now, but I'm going to figure out a way to incorporate this. Right? As always, don't forget to like and subscribe. Follow me on social media. And I'll see you on the next smoke.